Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into Socks on Tap Semi After Dark here. It's Johnny Nani. I've got Tony Marchese alongside me discussing a 2-1 White Sox winner. Tony coming off an off day. White Sox pick up the W tonight. How you feeling, my man? Feeling fantastic, Johnny. It's always good to uh, talk about White Sox winners. It's even better when we're over 500. We got a nice new layout here. Things look good. We got fireworks up above my yeah. head. We got some pinwheels. We're live with socks on tap. It is kind of Johnny. It's getting close to after dark. What did I say? Give me an, a, a post 11 o'clock post game show. I'd be feeling great uh, if the White Sox won. And here we are. This is this is fantastic. I will officially proclaim this as an after dark episode, Johnny. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're here. It's uh, 11.27 p.m. Central Time. Uh, game start was 7.40. So, yeah, I would go ahead and deem this after dark as well. Tony Ben a little bit, probably the Anaheim series, uh, talking about lucid dreams and all that weird shit uh, that went on there. But uh, it was also a weird ball game tonight, Tony. Going into Colorado, do you expect a 2-1 to one ball game? Absolutely not, Johnny. Uh, I, you know, I, I was getting ready for... You know, maybe like an eleven to six ball game, not two to one. That was not in the in the uh, the forecast, so to speak. This was a weird ball game in so many ways. Uh, I do watch a fair amount of Colorado Rocky baseball, especially games that are played out in Denver, and uh, I would just venture to say that this was kind of an oddity, uh, so to speak. Man, like you don't get many two to one ball games out in. Colorado no not at all I mean I expected there to be a lot more but honestly it was the defense that was a highlight tonight not the bats Tony uh the title of this episode is rack hashtag rack em, and hashtag crack them um obviously we know the second part very well like you just showed the listeners here yeah but the first part couldn't have timed that one better yeah you did, you did that perfectly but the first part of that tony let's get to that because i think that's got to be the highlight here uh, when we're talking about like i said unexpectedly but white Sox turned four double plays and all in big spots tonight i know we can dive a little bit deeper into the situations but man kudos to the white Sox defense for getting the job done uh on the infield dirt tonight hey dude uh we've had way too much talk on these airwaves about the White Sox defense being a problem this season, way more than I would expect to have had at this juncture. It's nice when you can bail your pitcher out. There was a couple times tonight, Michael Kopech specifically, maybe Joe Kelly as well, where they didn't have their best stuff. Things weren't working their way. They're putting runners on base. 
and the defense comes and bails him out. It's so refreshing to see the defense bailing the pitching out because for the most part this season, it's been the pitching bailing the defense out in a lot of key situations. This was, I think, one of the best defensive games the White Sox have played all year, Johnny. I would agree. I would agree, Tony. And, you know, uh, we talk about being opportunistic, and that is usually when a guy comes up to the plate in a big situation, runners in scoring position, right? That is, I would say, about 95% of the usage of that word, you know, one of my favorite words. Um, But when you're talking about it here, it was in several key situations. Uh, Bottom of the second, bases loaded jam erased with the 6-4-3 double play. Uh, 6-4-3 double play again uh, in the bottom of the fifth. That was a first and third situation uh, with Michael Kopech on the mound. Uh, And then when Kopech comes out of the game, Jimmy Lambert comes in, throws two pitches, and on a second one, he gets himself a double play, a 6-3 version. And then you talked about Joe Kelly as well in there. Uh, That was in the bottom of the seventh, a first and second situation. And he gets himself. It was a 3-6-3 in that one. And... Those were all very opportunistic because they ended Rocky scoring threats and both the White Sox and Rockies finished this game with nine hits tonight, Tony, but the White Sox prevailed. They did have one more timely hit. So yes, opportunistic by Yoan there, uh, clutch, um, if you were to say that, but when it comes to the defense, that was the opportunistic part of the White Sox tonight. Well, I'd like to think that Dallas Keuchel is very proud of his former ball club today. Uh, they were turning uh, double plays uh, on all these ground balls and just doing everything that Dallas Keuchel would have ever wanted them to do. So I hope he's happy down there in Texas. But, man, I mean, you talk about opportunistic. That That is exactly what the White Sox were tonight. They had just enough offense. They played crisp, clean defense. You talk about crisp, clean baseball, Johnny, all the time. There was a couple mishaps, but for the most part, everything was crisp. Everything was clean. I want to hone in on one double play. Jose Abreu, not his best night at the plate, but getting it done with the glove in the field tonight, Johnny. That 3-6-3 three, three double play that he turned uh, was a thing of beauty. And I think one of the most consequential of the ball game outside of, I believe it was the first inning double play with the bases loaded. Uh, that might've been the second inning, but uh, I, I think that one was very consequential considering what the score was at the time when Jose was able to glove that ball, get it over uh, to Timmy over at short, fired it back over, makes a nice little play there. There's a lot of traffic in front of them. That was just such an incredible play on the defensive side of the game that we, we don't spend a lot of time talking about on this show. I thought that play was just, I mean, might've been one of the best defensive plays of the year for this team. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it comes in a big spot. I mean, I think that, you know, you could still appreciate uh, the kind of, Maybe, like you said, traffic. I think that's a good word uh, to describe it in front of them there. If it was an earlier game situation, but it may not seem as big in the moment, right? But this is mm-hmm. Joe Kelly. He came in, and we know that Joe Kelly has had his fair share of struggles uh, throughout different portions of the season when he's not on the injured list. Um, and, you know, he had gotten a couple guys on base there, and that thing really could have swayed the other way. So, yes, I would agree with you that that, that was definitely a huge uh, sort of 
I don't know, not turning point of the game, but a kind of big holder, right? A big holder for the White Sox in this one um, because uh, just before that, they had taken the 2-0 lead uh, on the Mankata uh, RBI double. But, Tony, let's go back and talk a little bit pitching here. And Michael Kopech, um, man, it, once again, not the dominant sort of early to mid-May Michael Kopech that we've seen, but he goes five and a third, six hits, no runs, clean on that front, three walks, four strikeouts tonight. Uh, You'd like to see fewer walks even than that, but he's getting the job done. And I think that is what the main talking point needs to be here. Yeah. And this is interesting because you want Michael Kopech to be that fuck you fastball guy, right? Like I love the fuck you fastball more than anybody else, Johnny. But what Michael Kopech is working with right now is, A, number one, not his best stuff. And this is, I mean, he's on track to just blow past any sort of workload that Michael Kopech has had in in any of his seasons of baseball. So when you take this into account, if Michael Kopech can learn how to work, and when I say work, I mean get himself a nice quality start on days where he doesn't have 99, 100 miles an hour, which we've seen few and far between since he's moved from the bullpen to a starter role. You're starting to see Michael Kopech learn how to pitch guys. You're you're, you're looking at a, a guy who is learning how to actually pitch at the major league level and go the distance in these games. Yeah. You'd like a little bit more length on this one, Johnny, I think, but overall for Michael Kopech to go into Colorado and throw five plus shutout innings of, of baseball is very impressive considering where he's at in this season, the ailments that he may be dealing with. And also, you know, you've seen, Stud pitchers go into Colorado and just get absolutely shelled. I thought that that was a very positive step forward for Michael Kopech. I don't know about you. I concur with you, and I need to share a take from our guy, Akins, here, uh, Sox on Tap contributor. And he had gave me a nice assessment that I think kind of puts into perspective what you're saying there. So I'm going to share it here. Uh, this is what Akins had messaged me during the game. And he said, you know, I shouldn't compare him all the time, but this is very much why Michael Kopech and Johnny Cueto have been so much more valuable than someone like Lucas Giolito to this point. When they still don't have their best shit, they still battle to keep the game competitive. Uh, and then in turn, on the flip side of that, someone like Gio may cave to the pressure to the circumstances surrounding him. And when he doesn't have his best stuff, that's when the thing's start to fall apart whereas these guys can figure out to do it different ways and i really thought that was compelling tony i don't know about you i want to get your thoughts on that real quick but when you just look at the results of it um that's really what it feels like to me i mean on paper you're not thinking that michael kopech and johnny cueto are of the same ilk right like I, I just I almost need your confirmation on this because I would say that they've got the two most different right. pitching profiles on this roster. But what yeah, maybe what, you could put Dylan Cease is the furthest, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, but still like Dylan Cease 
he's he's in his own ballpark right now. Uh, right, I guess, I, guess I, was, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking. I was thinking more of the contrast from Cueto to Cease, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Cueto that's, versus Kopech, right? That's yeah. that's fair. I'm I'm looking more at fastball velocity um, versus crafty veteran type guy. Right. Uh, I think you've got Dylan Cease just a little bit leaning towards that, getting to the point where it might be a little bit of a crafty veteran but, or stud pitcher. So maybe you got the triangle there, Johnny. But overall, I think that Johnny Cueto and Michael Kopech also shared that same gene of I'm an absolute competitor and I'm going to go out there on the mound right. and I am just going to get the job done no matter what cost. And if that cost is – I'm going to lay up some ground balls or I'm going to get some guys to pop up and I'm just going to get through this and I'm not going to be the overpowering stud. I'm going to put my team in a position to win a baseball game. And that is of the utmost importance. And I really like what Ken said there. Both of those guys in contrast to Lucas Giolito, I think you see a a very just huge difference in how those starts go. I'd like Giolito to go towards that route versus right. what we've seen thus far. So I, think I, it, I like that take. Yeah. I think it's, especially when it comes to like someone like Kopech and Giolito, when we were talking about those two names stacking up there, um, it, it's more of the adaptability, right? Like Michael Kopech wants yes. to be a power pitcher. I think we, he wants himself to be a power pitcher. We all wanted to see that. Like you had said, fucking fastball is cool and tough. Um, all of that. He's all about that. But however, where he's at in his development, he's still finding a way to get the job done. Uh, whereas someone like Lucas Giolito in the, the changeup's not really on that night or the, the velocity's not where he wants it, then, you know, even if it's just getting dinked and dunked early, like we saw immediately coming out of the all-star break, then things start to fall apart. The wheels start to fall off that wagon uh, pretty quickly. So I just thought it was an interesting compare and contrast there. And that's obviously, we'll see Lucas Giolito tomorrow. So we'll get into him more uh, at the end of the show. But I just had to bring that up because I thought that was compelling. It made me think. Um, and I, I appreciate the kind of perspective from there. Cause that's something that I honestly, I probably would not have thought of uh, had our guy Kins not mentioned that to us. So um, appreciate shout out Akins uh, on Twitter. So, all right, let's move on uh, into the next phase of this game, Tony. And sure, White Sox leave nine on base. You don't like to see that. However, they did just enough. They did just enough. And in the fourth inning, top the fourth, and they got their first run, it will take advantage of another team's mistakes. How nice is that? Because other teams have taken advantage of our mistakes all year. Yeah, I mean, if if the White Sox are going to go on this bum sling tour, they're going to have to take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Um, you know, it's, it, it, that's, it starts with that defense, man. And, you know, I saw a couple takes on Twitter tonight. It's, the you know, the Rockies doing a White Sox impersonation and all that other good stuff. Yeah, that's how it feels. And it's, it's good to be on the other side of that. Anytime you can take advantage of a mistake, go and get yourself a run. I mean, that's how you just start to win these close ball games, Johnny. Right. It, it, it's really simple. And the situation in which the White Sox scored there in the top of the fourth was Pollock uh, reaching on. It should have been probably a double play ball turn. Um, however, 
uh, shortstop of Colorado, botches that thing uh, in between his legs there, hits off uh, kind of up on his uh, t- towards the heel of his glove, uh, bounces off of him, uh, goes astray, and um, Eloy Jimenez is able to score on that. Uh, unfortunately, White Sox left the bases loaded um, after that, could not pile on. However, um, as we get to the top of the seventh, Yohan Moncada, the big, big, big um RBI double and this ended up being the game hitting game winning hit Tony you know I love that I love talking about that game winning goals on four feathers game winning hits here on Sox on tap Yoan delivered because uh White Sox would give up a run later in this game we'll get to that I'm sure there's some commentary surrounding that but hey hey yo good to see that coming through Yoan Moncada has been quietly turning his season around just a little bit here Johnny and I think tonight was was no different for Yoan. Uh, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him overall at the plate. Uh, he's been getting the job done and coming through in some clutch situations. This was a clutch situation. Uh, obviously, at the time, it was just insurance runs. But like you said, turns out to be the game-winning hit. I think he absolutely just cranked that ball, um, You know, puts it down the right field line, and is able to drive in a run. Uh, he's doing what you need a guy like Yoan Moncada to do. It's not jump off the page super sexy all the time like you want it to be. But in this situation, doesn't matter, man. He was the one that got the job done on offense tonight. You talk about picking guys up when they're down. We talked about the uh, defense picking up the pitching. Yohan Moncada picked up some of the rest of the offense tonight by hitting that ball where the outfielders weren't when everybody else was hitting them directly at him. So kudos where kudos are due. Right, and I think uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out Adam Engel as well for getting that party started in the top of the seventh. Uh, he reached on a single and then uh, stole second base, and I, I'm i of the belief he is fast enough that he would have scored from first on Yohan Moncada's double. However, it made it a no-doubter. No doubt, there's no play at the plate, no throw coming in. Adam Engel was home no matter what because he was running from second base uh, when Yohan Moncada put that ball uh, into that right field corner there on the double. So, um Shout out to Adam Angle as well for setting that up because uh, if he gets out in that situation, Yohan just doubles. Sure, you have an opportunity after that with the guys below him. But as you said, uh, Jose Abreu struggled tonight. Um, Andrew Vaughn, I don't know if he did too much tonight either. Uh, going back and looking at this, yeah, he, he was no for three tonight. He did draw a walk uh, in there, but you just don't know. It's kind of the butterfly effect there. But luckily, we don't have to worry about that, Tony, because Angle uh, got on, Yohan delivered. So that's how the White Sox scored their runs. And then uh gets a little bit interesting. Can never be easy, Tony. Uh, as we get to the latter stages of this game, uh, you know, obviously some runners on for Kelly and his inning there. Uh, Kendall Graveman did put one on as well, but no damage for him. And then Liam Hendricks comes in um, after former White Sox closer, Alex Calmay had put together, I think it was a one, two, three, ninth inning. Uh, Liam Hendricks comes in, allows a solo home run uh, off the get-go here. I think you have some commentary on this one. I mean, as a big Alex Calmay guy, um, you know, all I've got to say here is that that's so White Sox that Alex Calamay kind of just gets that one, two, three inning that we used to be so used to as uh, White Sox fans. And then Liam Hendricks comes in the ball game and there's some sort of flair for the dramatics. 
it's it's almost like Johnny. I've I've heard a line before in a TV show. I don't know if we have to be so overstated, right? And it feels like every time Liam comes into a ball game, there's there's a couple overstatements, Johnny. right? There's a couple overstatements. That was at least for me as a White Sox fan, and I know that I don't feel the exact same way as Kenwell because. He kisses the ground that Alex Colome walks on. But I kind of miss just going into my ninth inning knowing that this ball game is over. I don't know how yeah. you feel. Yeah, no, no, no. And obviously there, there was that uh, period of time there uh, where Alex Colome was the guy there. Um, however, the White Sox have moved on, and I will say, you know, Liam Hendricks winning – back-to-back, uh, you know, reliever of the year awards uh, is not something to, uh, you know, brush off either. However, there is a flair for the dramatic. I think that is a really good term to describe uh, Liam Hendricks sometimes struggles. And then at the same time, though, you have to acknowledge that there are stretches where he is dominant and looks unhittable. So yes. there's both he is sides not of in one of there's, those stretches right now. Correct. I will correct. say there, that I, I, he is I not do, in one of those I'm, stretches right now. I'm progressing towards that, Tony. And unfortunately, we saw this last year. It seems like there's always like what a little bit of an adjustment in April. And so you can kind of chalk that up to still spring training mode and all that. Like, but last year, remember, he came in and, you know, you're expecting, you know, lights out shit and he gives up like five home runs throughout the month of April. And then he, you know, eventually finds it and he's like, you know, locked down. And then we get to around the field of dreams game last year, right? We're approaching that time in the year and this time in the season this year now. And I like to call it Tony. I think we're going to have to brand it here at socks on tap, the Liam midsummer shit show. It happens. And unfortunately <laughs> I think we're in a little bit of it right now. I know he did I ended up blocking this one down and getting safe. So I don't want to take away from that. However, that flair for the dramatic, the leadoff home run there makes it a lot more stressful on White Sox fans than it should be when you have this big money closer coming into the ballgame. I mean, it's just a bad news situation when you've got to go to the, the beer fridge for the ninth inning, Johnny, and you know, like, you've got enough time to kill another Budweiser before you're coming down to record Sox on tap because... Liam's going to make it dramatic. It's, it's just not a good look. I, I I want it to be clean. Maybe he's got to start cocking his hat. We got to bring back cocktails for closers <laughs> and, you know, just start to shut this shit down. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I, this is nothing against Liam Hendricks. I think he's an excellent closer. I think he can right. get the job done for this White Sox team. I, I love seeing the energy. I love everything he brings to the mound, but man, I just want a little bit cleaner of a ninth inning. And right. I don't want to see shutouts get erased by my closer giving up a leadoff bomb. Right. It, and it stretches too, Tony. And that's why I had to go to that. And yeah, we got we got our guy Matt in here, the hashtag LMSSS, the Liam Midsummer shit show uh, in there. I love it. I love it. It's already gained some traction there. But it, it just, you know, it, it's just an observation that I had because guess what? You thought that. That thing was going to be locked down in the Field of Dreams game last year. I know you were there, and it did end very cinematic. But um, sometimes you might not be so lucky. You might not be so lucky right. to where your team can help you out and rally. Or if there's a guy on base there, then we're talking about a tie game and yada, yada, yada. So 
I digress, but the, I just had to get that out there, share that because that was something that we were not able to get into on Sunday Funday um, because we had had a little bit of that in that first Saturday game uh, of the doubleheader over the weekend. But overall, Tony, uh, we get over here at Sox on Tap um, after dark hours. I'm happy. White Sox are over 500. We're getting closer to the B word coming out of my mouth. There's a little bit more than I like to see. However, 500 was one of the criteria over it. Maintaining over it will be another one. However, that's a good step in the first uh, first step in that direction. Um, so I like seeing that. And then also, we got a Twins loss tonight. So White Sox three back. Um, man, this bum slaying tour can really, really, really help propel them uh, and make up some ground here. Hey, I just want to see everybody's spirits lifted, Johnny. Like I, I want, I want this show to be popping. I want the comment section to be talking about White Sox winners. I want everybody who's in the YouTube, um, you know, just talking about how great this team is. I want to talk about how great this team is with you. I want to talk about it with, with Steve, but he still thinks it's over. You know, I want to talk about it with our guy, Sean. Uh, I, I, I love this. I, I love White Sox winners. I love the fact that you're getting close to using the B word. It, the twins loss tonight does go a long way. And the, if we everyone look at helps this, every single every White Sox win and every Twins loss and every Guardians loss helps all of it helps it's all a combination yes and, and I think you know they might have a little rough stretch here with Milwaukee right. and their schedule it's, doesn't really get much easier Johnny this right. is this is close the gap time yeah this is absolutely close the gap time and the White Sox are very excellently positioned in order to do that i know that there's so many people who are out there that are mad at where the white Sox are right now myself included i think everybody on this show doesn't want the white Sox to be where they're at right now but this is a good stretch for them where they can not only if they continue to bump slay take first place get themselves well above 500 but can put themselves a couple game up in the central division. And that's the expectation. Will they do it? I don't know. I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody listening knows. They'll tell us over the next couple weeks, but they'll tell us. And if we get there, it's going to feel so good. It's going to feel so great, but I've been waiting for this little portion of the schedule, Johnny, for so long. Because I really just want to see what NWI Steve's next gimmick is if we're three or four games up in the AL Central in a couple of weeks. It'll be interesting. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm excited to see that too. And I like the kind of uh, you know make make up ground uh, sort of stretch uh, of the schedule here, and it absolutely is uh, as we you know discussed at length uh, on our Sunday Funday show. So if in case you missed that. Uh, go back uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, our latest Sunday Funday titled episode. Uh, you can go and find extended discussion um, on this upcoming stretch of what we hope is the bum slaying tour, uh, as you had mentioned, as NWI Steve loves as well. So, um, Tony, we are going to get into this next game preview here. There's one more here at Colorado to kick off uh, this hopeful bum slaying tour. But before that, we are at this time next week, the trade deadline will have come and gone. So we've got a question in here from our guy, Matt. 
and it's a trade proposal. He says, Eloy, Berger, Cespedes for Josh Rojas, David Peralta, Joe Mantiply of the Arizona Diamondbacks, yes or no? Let's get let's answer this one here, and then we'll move on to game preview for Wednesday. Simple no from me, dog, um, and no other reason behind this. Rojas, fine. If you if you've got to move uh, Cespedes at this deadline, that's fine. I don't know. I'm just I'm not moving Eloy. I'm kind of looking at David Peralta as the the equivalent for Eloy Jimenez. I don't know all too much about David Peralta's game, Johnny, but I, I just think I think if you have a fully healthy Eloy who's playing DH for your ball club, it's it's gonna help you. Everybody else kind of here you can toss around. I just don't know if I'm giving up on Eloy this early, Johnny. I know the injury history is bad. I know I've had so many things to say about Eloy Jimenez not being your left field guy, but I still think this guy's got 40 home run power uh, in his bat over the course of a full season. If he can remain healthy, I think he's got long-term potential on the South side. Still, I'm still bought in. I guess you can say I'm not making that move. I don't know about you. All right, I'll go ahead and say uh, yes, shake things up. And Joe Mantiply being a lefty reliever, uh, you got the lefty bat uh, with Peralta there. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to go and uh, do the stir it up uh, option there. And I am not, you know, I would, I I hesitate in in that I still do believe that Eloy has that pop there. But man, uh, if the D-backs were um, willing to give up, the pieces that you need, Joe Mantiply's all-star uh, here. I don't know. I don't know. I would go ahead and shake it up. Let's uh, let's do it just for the sake of the yes, no here. All right. I like that. We, I, like we'll that put- I like that our guy Brian is in here too because he's a, he's a Diamondbacks expert, and he says no. Yeah, our guy Brian here having these. He no, simply because Rojas is not available, but also Peralta is older and has declined the last two and a half seasons here. Um, yeah, that, that, all things to consider here. However, uh, that Mantiply looked pretty good with Aaron Bummer not picking up shit and uh, not going to be back until September. And what's he really going to bring when he comes back? Um, that's where I kind of go with that. And left-handed, I mean, Rickon did say uh, lefty was a lefty reliever was the target, the one that he would go ahead and identify. So never know. But however, the, there are some other options out there in terms of lefty arms. Sure. We'll play more discuss uh, in between now and that trade deadline uh, coming up a week from now. So Tony, uh, to finish off this show, we need to preview the last game of the series here. Uh, and that'll be a two ten game uh, against the same Rockies finish out a two game set. Uh, Lucas Giolito takes him out. Antonio Senzatella going for these Colorado Rockies here. Uh, what are we expecting? Bumsling tour continuing here on Wednesday afternoon in Colorado? Absolutely, we are, Johnny. I, I, I want the Bumsling tour to continue, um, and I think it will. Two game sweeps build the momentum. You're only as good as your last envelope. Let's take that Colorado envelope. Let's stuff two wins in it and let's send it back home to Chicago because the White Sox need sweeps like they need air to breathe. And we talked about how to get ourselves 
farther and farther above 500. This game, if you look at it kind of on that micro level, you don't want to go back to, well, we're just 500 again. You have to start to build on something. You're in the bum slang tour. The bum slang tour means you're beating up on the bums. It's very meatball take-ish, but it's time to start to stack wins against teams that don't deserve to be on the same field as you. Win tomorrow, two games above 500, more victory beers are consumed, the White Sox take another step closer to getting themselves atop the AL Central. I expect a win tomorrow, Johnny. I would go ahead and say that that's not very meatball at all, Tony, and that is just reasonable expectations for this club because they are better than the Colorado Rockies. They are better than the Oakland Athletics that will be coming into town uh, over the weekend. This is the time to go and stack those wins, build them up, get above you know those multiple games above 500, make up that ground in the AL Central. All of those points that you just said, I would back that up fully, wholeheartedly, and it's all reasonable expectations too. Understand, you're not, you're not going to win every single game. We all know that. However, in this abbreviated segment of the schedule here, we're just looking at it under a microscope. You've got this game, and then you've got another day off. You travel home, and then guess what? As much as I'd want to sweep, and I would expect to sweep when you're just stacking up on paper based on talent, guess what? White Sox are probably going to lose one of those three over the weekend against the A's. It's probably going to happen. Yep. Probability says it in my mind. But right now, all you can do is take care of the next game in front of you. So I would agree. Looking for another White Sox winner here. Let's get a pick click uh, for this Wednesday afternoon ball game, Tony, on your end. Ooh, we haven't done pick to click in a while. Um, you know what? Let's go, Jose Abreu. I didn't. I I thought he looked like crap at the plate today, but I want to see him park one out again. Dude needs to start like hitting home runs and taking advantage of hitter friendly ballparks. I think it's time for Jose Abreu to leave the yard. I'll go, Jose. All right, uh, I'm going to go with Yaz Money Grandal hitting from the left side of the plate. Uh, he is batting 500 uh, against uh, Senzatella, and um, he's been a singles machine so far, so I might just get that in quantity. Um, however, I am expecting the first big bat drop uh, post uh, return from the IL here, so um, I'm going with Grandal, my guy. Uh, might have to wear the jersey uh, to go and breathe some extra life into that one, Tony. I like it, Johnny. I, I've got to say, uh, before we head on out of here, very impressed with Yasmani Grandal at the plate since he's returned. I think he picked up right where he left off. Um, you're seeing a little bit more of, uh, you know, getting on base via the hit than the walk than we're used to as White Sox fans over the, his tenure. On the south side, I, I like that. I really like that. And I think that uh, – you know, he's finding a lot of space, getting himself on base with some singles and everything. Eventually, one of those balls is going to leave the ballpark. So, right. I like where it, your head's at. It needs to elevate it a little bit there. But, however, um, like you'd said, I think it's refreshing, especially for the uh, fans. And no, and don't get me wrong. Andrew, you know, the, the three outcome thing isn't always fully appealing uh, to everyone. 
Um, and him being able to rank up some singles, you, you guess what? You saw it over the weekend, drove in, you know, a few, a few runs uh, here and there uh, with putting the ball in play and getting those singles as opposed to walking uh, to get on base. Don't get me wrong, getting on base is still important there. However, uh, in this situation, when it's happening, runners on base, single can bring them in, walk can't, unless the space is loaded. So um, I like that. Uh, I like the observation there. All right, we got a, we got a uh, you know, commenter pick here. I got Matt once again chiming in. Pick to click is Yohan Mancata for him after the game-winning hit, game-winning double tonight. You like to see it. Yo-yo. I think that's a good pick as well. So, Tony, excellent show. After dark here, uh, we are moving into that Wednesday uh, as we close out this show. So thank you, everybody, for uh, jumping in here, uh, dropping your comments. You can do that. Join this conversation. Hey, we're one day closer to Thursday, Johnny. And when does the weekend start? Weekend starts on Thursday. Hashtag confirmed. Never a doubt. Thank you. Go ahead. Subscribe on Tap Sports on YouTube. Get in the comments here uh, and we can feature them have some nice discussion like we did especially with the trade deadline looming we'd love to hear some proposals maybe we can go talk through some of those there but that's on tap sports net youtube subscribe drop your comments in here as we go live and we can feature them during the broadcast you can follow us on social media at socks on tap at on tap sports net and as always find all of our content at on tap so tony let's get this little mini two-game sweep out i think i have to get the mini brooms out tomorrow Yes. Yes. Until then, White Sox forever. White Sox forever.